All right, two days away from the fill-in stint on the Guy Gordon Show, and uh, I hope I make it there because if I'm being completely candid and honest, uh, things have become a complete mess the past 24 hours. Um, Trudy, our little four-year-old, uh, she'll be four in September, um, Irish Pied have a niece, uh, is spent the night at the emergency vet last night. Um, came home from work. She was acting fine. As the evening dragged on, she started acting weird. Eventually, she started to uh, just kind of zone out and, and start drooling. So we took her to the emergency vet, and at first they thought she might have gotten into some edibles, which um, I, of course, being the responsible pet owner that I am, uh, have never had any edibles near her at all. And the vet said to us that uh, actually her getting into edibles is probably the best case scenario here. Um, and so this morning we talked to the vet. Uh, they called. Uh, we called them. They said not much improvement. And they don't think it was anything edible related. So they're going to try to get her in to the neurologist sometime this week. So it's uh, kind of hard to focus on stuff like that because, uh, well, we don't have any kids, so that dog is our child. And uh, also, it's my wife's birthday today, <laughs> and uh want to do something special for her because we've had a, a rough year otherwise. Um, and um, we had uh, we spent our anniversary not in a way that we wanted to. And so I remember yesterday, all day, and, and this is the way life works. I, I was actually in a very good mood yesterday. Um, feeling like everything was okay, right? It Today's my wife's birthday. I'm going to do something extra special because uh, we've had some struggles this past year. And, um, and um, that's when life punches you in the mouth. So um, we hope for the best for Trudy. She's, she's very young. Um, hopefully she snaps out of it. Hopefully this is some kind of manageable condition. And uh, she can come home very soon. There's nothing worse than having to leave your pet overnight somewhere because they don't understand. Um, so she's probably wondering where we are. So just uh, wanted to get that out there in case uh, this show is a bigger steaming pile uh, than it normally is. So uh, we press on because life does go on, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna hope for the best because that's that's really all you can do. Um, so what happened at midnight Pacific time is what everybody thought was going to happen. The writers and the the writers union and the television studios were not able to come up with a contract, uh, so the writers are going on strike. I heard on the, the Today Show that May is actually the time of year that uh, shows start scripting for the fall. So even though we are still a good however many months away, four or five months away from fall television, um, it, it, this might be um, have a little bit more of a lasting effect than the one back in 2007, 2008 um, had. And, um, of course, like I said yesterday, the sticking point was, was, was uh, streaming residuals and assurances that the television uh, studios would not replace human beings with AI, which, uh, you know, might sound a little bit uh, conspiracy theorist or, or paranoid, but I think we're going to see a lot of labor disputes centering around 
AI, and for good reason. Jeffrey Hinton, he was a uh, Google engineer um, for the past decade in 2012. He recently quit. He was one of the um, developers that started uh, the AI, uh, with uh, w starting with uh, rudimentary um, picture software and whatnot. Um, but he has recently stepped down to warn people about doing too much too soon with AI. Um, if you remember, uh, a couple weeks back, a bunch of uh, tech giants and people in the industry wrote a letter um, asking companies to, to, to kind of take a pause, slow their roll a bit when it comes to um, AI. And uh, Elon Musk signed it. Jeffrey Hinton did not because at the time he was still employed by Google and he didn't want to compromise uh, uh, his, uh, his paycheck. But uh, his conscience got the better of him, and he stepped down. And his, his two main concerns are, I, I think, the, the type of concerns that everyone has, right? Number one, AI replacing uh, just about every human being at every job, and B, uh, it being abused by bad actors. And we're starting to see this already. There's a uh, There's been news stories about how uh, scammers are cloning people's voices and calling parents and playing an AI-generated script that sounds like their child um, and saying, hey, mom, I need some help. I've been kidnapped. Um, give this guy however how, send this guy however much money. Um, to um, safely ensure my release. It happened to a woman, uh, I can't remember the state, but uh, her daughter was coming home from a trip, and she got that phone call from a scammer, and she called the police, she called her husband. Luckily, her daughter was upstairs. Uh, her daughter was upstairs safe and sound. Um, but we're going to see a lot of this. I mean, this is, uh, this, is, uh, this is a new twist on an old scam. Um, I know that, uh, I know some people, uh, it's usually the elderly. They'll get a phone call from someone saying, "Hey, this is the something something sheriff. Your grand your grandchild is is in jail, and they need you to uh, bail them out." Or they would have someone who sounded young on the phone, just kind of fishing, hoping that they found someone uh, whose grandchild sounded similar to the person on the phone. Now they're able to do that with AI. I, I'm also wondering how this is going to change court cases and evidence. Because audio recordings, video recordings, that uh, photographs, that stuff is is you know very powerful evidence, and it can make or break a case. But uh, if you're able to generate um, artificially uh, in intelligence generated images, videos, recordings, um, photographs. It's going to be... You just got a nice win on FanDuel. How do you feel? All those nights of study. I feel great. Thanks for butting in. Um, it's going to make uh, things very tough for both uh, prosecution and defense. And I, I really think, and I hate leaving things up to our government because I think whatever political persuasion you are of, you don't trust them. But there needs to be... Um, some laws there needs to be some preemption here uh normally the law is is vastly vastly far behind technology and so we get this new technology and it runs amok we've seen it we've seen it with the internet 
We've seen it with revenge porn. Um, sometimes 10, 20 years will go by and a problem runs amok until legislatures finally say, okay, let's do something about, uh, you know, this, this, this latest scam. Let's do something about this internet. Let's do something about this artificial intelligence. And so what I'm hoping is that, um, eventually human beings, we, you know, we, we, we develop this sixth sense of, of things that are, that are genuine and things that are not. Right. Like we can tell when something's photoshopped. We can tell when a video is poorly edited. We can tell when uh, audio is poorly edited. So hopefully as a uh, society and as a human race, we can um, we, we can kind of start to develop that sixth sense for what's real uh, and what's falsely AI generated. Other than that, it must be a uh, slow news day. Because, hey, look, I'm doing another poll. After doing no polls for the first, like, what, 19 episodes. Well, that might not be true. I think I've, done, I've, I've mentioned some polling when it came to uh, the race between Trump and Ron DeSantis. But, nevertheless, the show has been very light on polls. Um, and I've got another interesting one for the second day in a row. This one um, from the Free Press. Lansing-based survey research firm Epic MRA. They do a ton of polls. Michigan voters oppose banning books about race and sexuality. And they start the article giving the context of um, during, uh, I don't know if it was the primary in 2022 or the general election. I think it was the primary. A uh, Ottawa County, which is over on the west side of the state, they struck down, their voters struck down a millage and funding was pulled from their local library because the local library refused to pull LGBTQ books. The local library, the library everyone uses, all ages, not a school library. And I remember thinking when the story came out that these backwoods yokels would rather get rid of a bastion of, of knowledge and information uh, because they so hate the LGBTQ community. If that's not a... Uh, if that's not uh, a euphemism, or if that's not uh, a perfect representation of homophobia, I don't know what is. And of course, there's been um, a lot of controversy at local schools about books that, that should or should not be in the library based on how age-appropriate they are. So I believe that this poll mainly um, pertains to public libraries, where uh, adults, children, p senior citizens, all people um, frequent. Pardon me. So the poll shows respondents were split on whether they think a situation would ever warrant banning books. 45% said that there are rare times when doing so may be appropriate, while 42% said that there's absolutely no time where a book should be banned. The survey revealed a partisan divide with 57% of Democrats saying books should never be banned and 27% of Republicans saying the same. Um, overall, especially when it comes to a public library, I think, uh, you know, unless it's like the, commun uh, the anarchist cookbook that tells you how to, like, make pipe bombs, unless it's something that could actually... Um, threaten the physical safety or lives of people. Other than that, when it comes to a public library, no book 
should be off limits. Um, you know, if uh, if you've got books that are a little bit more risque, like uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, or you know something with uh, more adult themes, just put that in a different section, and say that if you're under the age of eighteen. Um, you can't be in here without an adult. And I think you can do something similar at schools. Now, I, I would give some leeway. I do give some leeway to schools as long as what they're banning is being banned because it's uh, either sexually explicit or it falls under the first category that it, uh, it, it could pose a physical threat um, to someone or threaten their lives. Like in schools, I don't think that that Fifty Shades of Grey should be in the school. I don't think Mind Camp should be in the school. In the school, um, but for the vast majority, I think that uh, you can do something similar. You put uh, all the age-appropriate books out on the main floor, and then the ones that are deemed to be a little bit uh, more mature, you put them in a permission slip-only locked room or something. Um, I think that uh, a lot of times these book-banning crusades are misguided. Um, they are to, uh, well, you know what? I'm going to, uh, I'm going to save that point because there's, there's, there's more in this poll that supports my next, uh, my next, um, point here. Uh, but, but asked about specific types of books that are often the subject of bans. Voters expressed opposition to removing them from shelves. Voters opposed the removal of books, including discussions about race, 89%, as well as discussions about sex, gender identity, or sexual orientation, 67%. Um, you know, books with uh, uncomfortable themes about race or uncomfortable truths or, or, or discussions about race, I think absolutely do believe in school, belong in schools. Schools are for education. They're not for indoctrination. They're not for making you feel good about history. You shouldn't feel good about history. You know why? Because history is terrible. A lot of terrible things happen in history. If history, if everything was great in history, no one would write about it because it's not out of the ordinary. Um, when it comes to um, books that dis uh, th with discussions about sex, gratuitous sex for the, the sake of sex um, probably shouldn't be um, amongst the general book population in a school, but like I said, put it in the permission slip only area. Gender identity and sexual orientation, I think those are fine. I honestly think it's damaging to, re, uh, to remove those from a school library because it's going to make kids who might not feel like they are the majority when it comes to gender identity or sexual orientation, it might make them feel more, more alienated. And having those books on those shelves um, might help them feel seen and represented. All right, now this next part of the survey kind of raised my eyebrows. The vast majority, 71% of people um, uh, surveyed here, agreed with the statement that book banning is un-American. It infringes on our freedom and harms our democracy. I agree. While about a fifth of respondents, 21%, which is a small minority, but not that small of minority, uh, agreed that books that are anti-American, anti-police, or hostile to basic family values do not belong on the shelves of our local public libraries. And I think this is where things get very murky. And I go back to the point I just made a second ago, um, that 
honest history that reflects on atrocities that America has committed both domestically and abroad is not anti-American. It's pro. It's uh, it's to ignore these things, um, to ban books that are anti-American, anti-police, or hostile towards basic family values. Number one, who's the arbiter of that? And number two, that's uh, that that that's that, that's called propaganda. What was that quote? Um, Journalism reports on things that other people don't want reported. Otherwise, it's just public relations. Um, that opens that that's like a big Ron DeSantis sized loophole here on um, just about any book that uh, might mention the scourge of slavery or Jim Crow or imperialism could be banned under that criteria. So I'm I am heartened that it's only 21 percent that agree with that. But I'm also a little concerned that uh up to 21% of uh, these these people polled uh, agreed with that. So um, overall, though, uh, sanity prevails. Um, I think that most people do understand, and, and a lot of people, a, a lot of people do understand that um, just because something makes you uncomfortable doesn't mean it, it should be banned. And the more and this is a cliche, but the more we learn about uh, the mistakes we've made in the past, the less likely we are to repeat them. And the Florida Panthers have done something um, seemingly impossible in this young playoff season. No, not eliminating the uh, Boston Bruins, who had the best regular season in NHL history, um, beating them in the first round, which... That's the 1995-96 Red Wings off the hook. They uh, they held a previous record, and they got bounced by the Avalanche in the semis. And then they went on to uh, have uh, a hell of a run of Stanley Cups. Uh, no, that's not what I'm talking about, uh, with the Panthers achieving something seemingly impossible. I'm talking about them making the Maple Leafs sympathetic. Um, I believe the series opens up tonight, and if I'm incorrect, Paul will correct me because he's a big hockey guy. I believe that series opens up tonight in Toronto. So Toronto fans will be there in mass, and a few Florida fans will be allowed in. That won't be the case when the, when the series shifts to Florida because uh, the Panthers have worked together with uh, the evil empire known as Ticketmaster to block any ticket sales outside of the United States, which means that uh, the Maple Leafs and their highly mobilized uh, fan base, they could make a game if they really wanted to. They could either use a fake email or or buy from StubHub. But uh, otherwise, there are are huge uh, obstacles put in place by the Florida Panthers uh, to make sure that uh, to cut down on the amount of Maple Leaf fans um, allowed at the game, which uh, doesn't seem legal, and it's kind of a it's kind of a good troll, but but it's also kind of a cop out. I mean, if you're so worried about um, the the attendance at your home games, work harder to attract more Florida fans so that uh, the Maple Leaf fans can't make it. 